Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Kami Jason, your host for another episode. If you're joining us for the first time, this is, of course, the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is episode 66 of the Weekly Cooldown, and there's some cool news and maybe some bad news, and also my cat trying to break into my room. And we'll get a, we'll get into all that news in just a moment, but... Uh, of course, we have to first introduce our guests, um, starting with our first guest. Uh, he is a queer Texas-based act- voice actor, not just an actor, a voice actor, part-time Twitter ranter and Fan Fancy 13 and 15 apologist. Uh, please welcome Ryan Hoyle. Hey, y'all. I'm here. I'm queer. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about video games. All right. Here, here, queer, get used to it and talk about video games. <laughs> Um, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. It's so good to be here. You've been talking about it so much, and I'm so glad I finally got to actually, like, come on and talk at a microphone for a little while. Thank God. Things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Texas-based voice actor. Yeah. Uh, what, su- such credits as? Uh, let's see. Um, I was... A satyr and a couple of NPCs during a boss battle in the indie PS4 game, Apollyon. Mm. Um, pretty much, I think all of my other major voice work credits have all been visual novels. I, w- I did incidentals and a couple of lines for Archimagus Rubus for a game called Queen at Arms. Um, I've been in a couple of gay-themed visual novels as Love Interests, uh, Requiescence, and Chest of Blades, both by Argent Games, both of which come in Safe Work and Not Safe for Work editions. Um, <clears throat> in that similar thread, I am the one of the antagonists in another gay-themed visual novel, My Burning Heart, which is set in a uh, Arabian harem. I get to be the evil vizier. Um and that one also, that one I think only comes in not safe for work edition. <laughs> right, there's like, right. there's like a sex scene in the first ten minutes of the game. Holy crap! Oh boy. Um, Get in there. Yeah, the 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 Sultan's just like, come to my bedroom. And that's it. And that's it. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I play the part of uh, Inspector Constantine in. Um, uh, a game called Caffeine Victoria Victoria's Legacy, which is actually kind of pretty cool because there's some there's some surprisingly big names in there. Like I think one of the main girls is voiced by um, Kira Buckland, which is like, oh my mm. god, I'm going to be in a game with Kira Buckland. <laughs> I am not worthy. Um, and aside from that, uh, I've been I've done a few audio plays. I've done a lot of fan work, uh, and I've also started doing a. Uh, both scripted and unscripted podcast where I talk about queer themes in video games. Uh, it's called Level Grinding and Wasted Hours. I'm trying to finish the goddamn second script. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. Um, glad we could plug your podcast. <laughs> what? Who I? Oh, Brian, there's, a... there's another project you should probably drop. What? What project? You know what? Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm also I'm also uh, one of the admins for a group, a voice acting group called Voxis. Thank you. Are you happy, Paul? I'm satisfied. Um, I uh, it's a group that got its start uh, mostly doing a uh, dub of the webcomic Homestuck, and as of this point, we've uh, what we've got to be more than like seventy five percent through the whole thing. Um, right. Yeah, that sounds right. I was the voice of Dark Scratch before he exited the plot for reasons. Um, I do a lot of incidentals and other things. Um, I've also voiced a few other characters in other fan dubs they've done, including uh, the narrator and Asgore in the Undertale dub. I was Red in the dub of Ruby Quest and also did the music editing for that one, which was fun. Ooh. Um, and uh, right now we're desperately trying to finish the open bound segments, mostly because we got Dante Bosco to record wow. lines for a character. And I really don't care if we do the rest of Homestuck. We just need to get that episode out to be like, look, we have Dante Bosco. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I mean, like, you know, kind of upstaging me here with all your credits. <laughs> 
Um, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, speaking of voice actors, you heard uh, another voice there. We're going to introduce him. Uh, also joining us today, he is also a voice actor, half of Liquid Bewilderment. <laughs> and dare I say, a friend of the show. Please welcome Paul back to the show. despite my best efforts, I, in- I interrupted another person's introduction. I swore to myself I wasn't going to do it this time, and I blew it up. And Listen, I apologize. It's, it's on brand, and it's okay. No, I I want to be okay. I want to be. I don't want to be like this. It's okay. I don't accept, accept me for who I am. Expect uh, me to be better. Anyway, uh, hey, I'm no, back next time. Paul, you goddamn dirty straight. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I'm also the token cishead. Oh yeah, that's right. Only, Can't forget. How dare? Listen, listen. This is a diverse podcast. Okay, and I'm not the diversity. Correct. <laughs> Perfect. This is how I like it. <laughs> so, all right. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, so, uh, I have one more question for you, Ryan. What is, why are you Final Fantasy 13 and 15 apologist? I don't understand. <laughs> because. What have I, you done? What? <laughs> what have you done? I need to know. Well, it's just that, you know, every once in a while, I, I get a bee in my bonnet, and I take to my Twitter, and I explain how I think Final Fantasy thirteen and, to a lesser extent, Final Fantasy fifteen both get a bad rap by mm. the Final Fantasy fandom at large. Mm. Final Fantasy thirteen for reasons which, honestly, I don't even know. I mean, I can... I understand certain criticisms of the game, but some of them just come... come like, if you want to be really truthful, I think a lot of people just watched um, Noah Antweiler's reviews and just took them as gospel because he was fucking Noah Antweiler. Like, oh. and he and he said the game sucks, so people were like, yeah, they suck. And I'm like, no, no, they don't. Mm. They don't. I get and, that. And same with 15. I, I will quickly admit to that game having issues, but... I think in a lot of ways, especially in the the emotional payoff of the ending, it's much better than people give it credit for. Although I will never forgive Square Enix for canceling the rest of the second set of DLC just because mm. of how awesome they sounded. Yeah. I uh, never played 15, but I was pretty upset, too, about just the, the you know, okay, we're not going to do the rest. So <laughs> you, you get, what, three or four, be happy about it, and see you later. Yeah, for give me a book. <laughs> Oh, I guess, but I mean, still. <laughs> yeah, and that book, and like all of the stuff in the book, like the whole Arden, Noctis, Alt Universe, Luna, and Arania teaming up to fight Bahamut sounded so cool. And yeah, just like that's it. that. Now that's true. Final Fantasy is everybody getting together and saying "fuck God." That's about as Final Fantasy as it gets. That's very true. That's on brand for like each game. I think. Yeah, more or less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Okay, so let's move it on to uh, since since we're talking about games and and stuff, we have to talk about what we've been playing this week. So uh, Ryan, since you are the the newbie here, <laughs> uh, what have you been playing this week? Um, I I always kind of, oh, excuse me, I always kind of have some. I'm always playing like fifty hundred games at the same time so uh this last week um as always i played a little bit of final fantasy 14 i always Mm. try to do my weekly grind in that um i've been playing a little bit of dark souls 3 because my fiance has been playing code vein and i told him that he's not allowed to buy me a copy of code vein for the ps4 until i finish dark souls 3 um on my 3ds i've been playing dragon quest 4 because i've had it for over a decade now and i feel like i should finish it Mm mm-hmm and I've also been playing this game I got for the Switch with some of my Nintendo Online coins called Blasphemous, which is kind of a Castlevania-esque meets Dark Souls-esque um, sort of religious body horror gothic game that's actually pretty cool. Hmm. Um, it's got very Castlevania Symphony of, Symphony of the Night or Metroid uh, style exploration where you have different areas you go to, but you can do more as you gain abilities or as you, you know, get the plot coupons. And it's really, really gorgeous um, pixel art. And um, since it's set in this place where this miracle happened in this heavily religious country, all of the uh, monsters, all the bosses and the uh, basically grunt monsters are all sort of religious themed and all absolutely gross and horrifying to look at. I love it. Yeah. What's this called again? I feel like... It's called Blasphemous. 
Blasphemous. Oh, yeah, this game. I had to Google it very quickly. Yeah, yeah I saw... Give me some Darkest it, I, Dungeon vibes right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, um, it was on my Facebook feed for some reason. I was mm-hmm. like, uh, wow, this is certainly a game. Well, I can't um, believe I hadn't seen this before. This looks amazing, actually. Like my yeah. my only mild complaint, and it's mild, is that like aside from some from some mild changes as you kind of upgrade your sword, combat at the beginning of the game is more or less the same as combat at the end of the game. Mm. But it's honestly a mild complaint because the bo- like that's only really an issue with the mobs. The bosses are all really fun and uh, and absolutely amazing to look at. Oh yeah, I I'm, I looked at the uh, I remember watching the trailer and mm-hmm. watching the baby boss. Yes, like multiple times because I was just like, this is my kind of thing. <laughs> it's like super creepy yet also kind of cool to look at. So. Yeah, yeah. Blasphemous. I'm into it. Maybe I'll get it, too. I don't know. I don't really play many, like, Castlevania-type games, but every so often. Mm. Every so often. <laughs> Paul, you uh, you play a video game before? Yeah, I've played video games. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, the big thing that I've been into for the past, the, this whole year, has been Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, so... The uh, the competitive Smash bug actually bit me not too long mm-hmm. ago, and I've been actually going to weekly tournaments for Smash Brothers, which has been a really good time. Uh, awesome. Turns out I'm not a terrible Link main. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never liked Link in Smash Brothers. Uh, full disclosure, um, he has never clicked with me in any way. I've never had any fun playing him. And then, like, uh, somehow we managed to get the game a couple weeks before it came out somehow. And uh, I played Link for the first time in Ultimate, and I was like, oh my god, he feels amazing to play. Everything's <laughs> chained together really well. All his projectiles feel really nice. His attacks are really meaty but very quick. There was just something about him that just... it's It, it struck a chord with me that a Smash Brothers character had never struck before. And suddenly I found myself just playing a ton of Smash and going to tournaments and getting my roommate Marcy to go to tournaments. And it's just been a really good time. That's awesome. Yeah. Outside of that, um, the mid aughts have been alive and well in our house so far. Um, I've been, or not mid aughts, um, mid mid teens, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we've been playing. A, I've been playing a lot of Rocket League. Actually, I've been getting back into Rocket oh. League the past couple weeks, which has been really a strong game. Still, it turns out I've been doing some research on it. Like th- that game still regularly pulls like a hundred thousand players, which yes, doesn't sound does. like a ton. But that is actually nuts for a game for, that is five years old. Yeah. And, like, is kind of out of the larger game sphere. For the game to have that kind of population is actually still crazy. Rocket yeah. League is still super popular. It's still super fun. Um, the cosmetics are a lot more different than they used to be, but they're also really cool. Um, I've also... <laughs> I also started playing a little bit of Fortnite Battle Royale again, because, damn it, Ooh. that game... Look, it's, it's kind of a meme at this point, but yeah. there's a gameplay loop there that I really like. And honestly, it just how oversaturated the game is, and just the colors that it has, I, that, that visual style actually really appeals to me, and so I find hmm. myself coming back to it for a lot of those reasons. I guess uh, it is a little more appealing than, like... gritty battle royale game part five the only thing i don't really like about it is the building and unfortunately that's such a major part of the game that it's really tough for me uh also i ended up picking up um mario plus rabbits for 15 bucks off of a friend of the smash tournament speaking of mid-teens and it's a good game i haven't played a ton of it but it really just feels like mario xcom that's really all there is to say about it honestly right that's cool speaking of tournaments i've been trying to get good at uh poking oh um i am not a gengar main as i thought i would be Ah. i'm actually a decidui main and i'm doing all right with it (laughs) um i picked it up maybe a month ago and i'm i'm doing i'm doing okay i'm still thick boy what gengar yeah well, yeah, that's on brand for me. I'm like a, I'm like a Incineroar main on <laughs> Smash. You really so do like, just want to play the Thick Boys. Yeah, I'm just. I bet you uh, probably play a lot of Bowser too. No, actually, I wow. can't play slow characters. Bowser's really heavy and slow, and I cannot. But Incineroar is okay. Incineroar is actually pretty quick. The no, only he's issue, not. he is. No. I think he is. He feels quick to me. The only thing is, is that he does his stupid up move is. Also a down move, and then I get rocketed off because I'm a dumbass, oh, no. and I, oh, no. I like fell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at Smash. I just hey Ryan, who it. do you main in Smash? 
Uh, it's actually been a while since I played Smash outside of just booting it up to download the uh, DLC characters, but <laughs> I think Krom is, okay. I, I always really liked, back during um, Brawl, I really liked Ike, and yeah. Krom is, Krom feels a lot like sort of a cross between um, Roy and Ike. He's, he's zippier. But he has Ike's really great um, up the attack that I really like. So yeah, he's interesting because he's Roy. If Roy didn't have a hilter, so like his blade does the same amount of damage all throughout, mm-hmm. and he's also got that weird Ike up you, which you can kind of cheese kills with sometimes if you're really careful. But he's also yeah. really easy to gimp, so that can oh, always yeah. be fun. Yeah, but I mean, let's face it the re- the reason that I main Chrom is not for any actual uh, mechanical reasons in terms of playing. It's just because I think he's tasty. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you. Considering Gengar tasty as hell. <laughs> I'm on I'm on record now as oh, saying no. that. Like, Gengar I think, I, is tasty and is a snack. Confirmed. Thank you. Like I think my main the main people I play in like Smash Brothers are, are like um Buffa, Ike's buff skin, Krom. Um Oh. You know what? I lied. Ike's, Ike's buff skin, Krom, uh swimsuit shulk. God, uh, and I can't remember who else. Super thirst. He was playing all the sexy fire emblems and Shulk. Well, you know what? I just remembered. I am Cloud. technically a. Cloud. I'm technically a little Mac main. Now that I think about it, um, I. Oh no. I love Little Mac. He's so cool, and also he's from the Bronx, like me. So Ooh. we're we're together. We're big, just, just two. I, he's probably gay, so I'm just gonna say two Bronx gays. <laughs> yeah, you're two right. Bronx gays. This is a good um, result. <laughs> so we're gonna start hopping into the news. And to wait, start... actually, before we go into the news, because yes. I'm, I'm in a good mood right now, and I don't want to ruin it. Um, oh just I'm gonna put it off a little bit longer. Um, I okay. also, since the last time I was on this podcast, because <laughs> it has been a while, I sure. played through both Xenoblade One and Xenoblade Two with Marcy. Oh, that's right. And those oh, wow. were a journey, man. I I, I'm obviously imagine. not gonna go into the whole plot on this podcast because I think that, especially with Xenoblade Definitive Edition coming out, I really don't want to be ruining it for people. But that's a bonus. Xenoblade thing. is a trip. Like even before you start getting to the real in-game stuff where the real fucky shit starts coming in, Xenoblade is a trip and a half. Mm. They keep the punches coming left, right, and sideways. Like that is wild. And Xenoblade Two isn't isn't is pretty much along the same lines. Um, it's got a lot more waifu bait bullshit in it, which I'm really not a fan of. But also the plot still goes places that's really fun. Um, it's way more of a rom-com than Xenoblade 1 is, which isn't entirely right. a terrible thing. Like, the relationship between Pyra, Mithra, and Rex is actually really fun, and I'm really glad they dig deep into that and lean into it. But they're both really amazing games, and the systems are fantastic. I swear to God, Paul, you and Marcy are the only two people I know who actually like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So the thing about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is, like, on the surface, it looks like a trashy waifu bait game. And I don't fault anybody at all for not wanting to play it because of that. Honestly, it turned me off of it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Literally, the only reason I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was because I beat Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and I was like, I need more of this. And then I tried to play Xenoblade Chronicles X and I hated it, so I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 instead. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. I honestly I, think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a game for <laughs> for people who like Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and are willing to look past the waifu bullshit. And then there's also Torna, which I have not played, which is um, the DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but oh, may yeah, as well be right. its own like mini-sequel or prequel yeah. to Xenoblade 2. I'm I'm trying to get to... I should really get back to finishing Xenoblade Chronicles 1. That way I can actually play Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> well, if you ever want to come over and play it here, Marcy will be more than happy to watch you play the entire game. That's I, I, true. I will, I will have to bring my Wii U with me. That's fine, honestly. Or just put your save file on an SD card and bring it here. We've true. got Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii U here. True, true. <laughs> Marcy's crazy about it. Yeah, she's watched. She's watched like I think four different people play through the game at this point. Oh my god! One of her one of her life missions is to get her friends to play through this game. All I think right. Mar- I think Marcy would very much like to watch me because I'm like right before Makana's core. Oh shit! Yeah, that's when things start really popping off. Hell yeah! yeah. I would want to watch that. <laughs> oh, I I can hardly ever finish like any single player RPG. Oh, so I feel like I'd be 
stuck on something for like two years and I'd be like, hey, Marcy, <laughs> can you help me? I don't know what to do. I watched Marcy play through Chrono Trigger, so it was like fair, fair, oh. fair, fair at that point. Jeez. All right, ruin my day, Kami Jace. All right, let's get into it. Well, I mean... Uh, just to, you know, start off with something relatively uncontroversial. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, so in some ongoing Hearthstone news, Hong Kong-based pro Hearthstone player Blitz Chung has been suspended from play due to demonstrating some pro-Hong Kong liberation messages during an interview on October 6th after defeating South Korean player Dawn. Uh, the... Broadcast soon cut away from the interview, and the video of the stream was later removed. Blizzard said on October 8th that Blitz Chung's statement, quote, brings you into pub- public disp- uh, disrepute, excuse me, uh, offends a portion or group of the public or otherwise damages Blizzard's image, end quote. Uh, two Taiwanese Hearthstone broadcasters were also removed from their positions following the interview on October 6th. And so, like I said, this is still a, a very uh, long, kind of arduous, ongoing thing. Um, right now, there are something like 20,000 tweets with the hashtag Boycott Blizzard uh, because of this. Uh, Blizzard is now, it, it's still kind of iffy, um, but it was being reported that Blizzard is being accused of blocking gamers from deleting their accounts in protest. Uh, to to this news coming out, so it's there's a lot going on, and it's probably going to continue until we really get some kind of dare I say change. I mean, what what's can can Blizzard reverse course at this point? I think they can. I don't think they're going to though. I think they're actually mm. going to double down. Honestly, that's what I'm expecting. So here's really? the thing: like just 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 without getting into anything else, the rule states. If you do anything that brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image, they can punish you at their discretion. Hey, they kind of violated their own rule by pissing off a fuckload of people. <laughs> so, like, true. like, just throwing everything else out the window. Hey, read your own goddamn rules. By your yeah, own I mean... discretion, you ruined your own fucking image online for a bunch yeah. of people, including myself. Like, listen. I've, I've put up with a lot of Blizzard's bullshit, man. When they fired, like, 800 people through Activision for whatever fucking reason, yeah, whatever, cool. You know, business decisions, I get it. You know, whenever they had to censor minor stuff for World of Warcraft because of Chinese policy, you know, whatever, you know. Change, change a skeleton into a fucking zombie or whatever, who gives a shit? Change the blood into black blood because, you know, that fucks... Fucks with Hong Kong censors, or Chinese censors, whatever. To have a player not only removed from a tournament and banned from all professional play for a year... And, and let, like, let's, let's not get confused here. For, the lar- for a large part, Hong, um, not Hong Kong, Hearthstone is a closed system. There are not mm-hmm. a lot of ways to make major money playing Hearthstone outside of Blizzard's infrastructure because of the way that Hearthstone esports works. It's very similar to um, League of Legends. It's very similar to Overwatch. Um, that there, are, there are tournaments that exist outside of Blizzard's infrastructure, but they're not lucrative. They're not a way to make a living. And never mind if you live in fucking Taiwan. You can barely do that in the United States. There's way less infrastructure for that in Taiwan. You ban him from all tournaments for a year, kick him out of Grandmasters entirely, and remove his winnings that he had already earned in the tournaments backdated through the past year? That's so unbelievably fucked. That, yeah. That's the part that gets me above everything else. You know, whatever. Ban him from tournaments. Remove him from whatever. To back to go back and take his winnings from him the shit he already earned without violating any rules by the way that's completely fucked that's beyond the pale right all right there we go i got it out of my system you did how it. you really feel paul <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, basically i think blizzard made a bit of a mistake <laughs> i i can't tell i think like like any company that exists in a society um, which we do in fact live in. <laughs> I've heard that. In a society, I think it's entirely possible. Like, if the economic... I, I don't think they're going to give a rat's ass about like people complaining on Twitter and creating hashtags. What I think is going to be the turning point is whether or not they start to see a massive downturn in terms of, like, especially WoW subscriptions. 
Like mm-hmm. if they start seeing like that number just plummet, then they may try to course correct. Or if they start seeing like, you know, users for Overwatch plummet or anything like that. I think that's going to be that's going to be what makes them change their mind. But the thing is, even if they course correct, they're still going to be hurting because like yeah. everyone will know. Like, I can't speak on a lot of this as well as Paul can because I don't pay attention to esports much because I'm a fucking Luddite. Um, <laughs> but um, I I think they are still going to be hurt because if and when they do course correct, everyone is going to know that they did not course correct because of any... Unless they do course correct before it starts to become an economic issue for them, everyone is going to know that they course corrected not out of moral goodness, but for economic reasons. Sure. And I don't no. want to state for the record, I, I'll be completely honest. I know very little about the Hong Kong riots or the Hong Kong protests and what they're protesting for. I'm familiar with some basic stuff relating to the extradition bill that was withdrawn or is going to be withdrawn from the, from the Chinese parliament um, in the coming months. But the fact that this is a decision that is effectively causing an American company to censor anybody like like even if i get it you know they're 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 a taiwanese player they're bound by the laws of taiwan and even though they consider themselves an independent country they are still at large recognized as a member of the chinese you know whatever there's there's a whole lot of fuck shit there that i can't i am not even remotely qualified to get into i can can actually say a little bit sure go ahead Not, not a lot um Part of it is, of course, just, you know, China basically, in the in the way that the people of Hong Kong are looking at it, overreaching in a legal sense. Mm-hmm. But um, past that, a much bigger reason, um, and I may have to scream and get Kevin in here if he's not busy to confirm this, but a, a bigger reason is the fact that, like, Hong Kong in, in many ways is kind of culturally distinct from a lot of the rest of mainland China. That's actually very true, yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, like... Um, Part, including the fact, you know, um, there's the sort of two different dialects of Chinese. You got Cantonese, which my fiance speaks, and Mandarin. And Hong Kong, if I remember correctly, is kind of a ba- one of the remaining bastions of Cantonese, which has kind of been slowly dying out as mainland China has kind of mm-hmm. been sort of deleting this portion of culture. And so uh, outside of the extradition bill, um, which is partially, of course, because, you know, Hong Kong is a little less crazy pants than the rest of China. And now they're the rest of crazy pants. China is trying to be crazy pants in Hong Kong. Another part of it is crazy pants, a a super geopolitical proper term. Uh, A lot of the rest (laughs) of it is that part of this extradition bill is mainland China, just continuing to sort of claw their way into Hong Kong and further erase that culture, that Hong Kong culture, that Cantonese culture that has been, you know, slowly dying out because of this. And that's that's sort of the, um, if the extradition policy is sort of the, you know, brain reason why this is sort of getting on people's nerves in Hong Kong, then the fact that this is a way of mainland or the rest of China sort of stamping down and erasing that culture is sort of the heart and soul of the reason why these protests are going on. Yeah. There's also, there's also a good bit with, uh, with uh, Hong Kong, you know, being mostly kind of sovereign from China. It's basically its own like state. Um, it, It is connected to China, but it isn't like inherently Chinese, if that makes sense. Um, and they desperately want to kind of get uh, m- a more democratic rule going on there rather than uh, one that is uh, red, I suppose, the communist. Yeah. Um, so, so that's also what a lot of it is about. They're trying to, as they say, liberate Hong Kong from Chinese rule. So they want to be the, kind of their own thing. Ultimately, what bites me personally about this now, it is an unreasonable ask, of course, to expect to place American values on a non-American culture. And America has a very strong background of freedom of speech that, frankly, doesn't exist in a lot of other countries. Even countries that we consider, you know, like, first-party countries, you know. There, there are laws against stating, stating certain positions in European countries, for example. You can't espouse anti-Jewish sentiment because that is considered a crime. That's an Mm -hmm. outright crime in certain countries. Mm. But 
the fact that an American country or the, the American company, even an American company with a with a Taiwanese division or a Chinese division, whatever division, is enforcing these ideals upon a foreign a foreign participant in their their business in this case mm-hmm. that sits so badly with me that is deeply upsetting it feels like i'm it, god i hate to say this because this is a term that has been largely co-opted by the right in a really bad way but it feels like an actual betrayal of genuine american values yeah that is so- really upsetting to me it, I guess what it really puts into focus, though, is China's influence on media and gaming. Sure. So there's like two, 312 PC gamers in China. Uh, they have a huge influence on PC gaming. Um, they, you know, they helped to uh, uh, kind of jumpstart some of the leagues we see now, esports and stuff like that, along with South Korea and um uh, Japan, mm-hmm. uh, so it there's a market there, and it's I guess it's like big capitalism, I guess, yeah. um, but it, it's definitely Blizzard or Activision Blizzard responding to the fact that they would probably lose tons of funding, millions of dollars, if they didn't do something right away. And it, I, it, to that regard, I would say it's probably a little preemptive. Yeah. Um, because for as much as I, you know, we can guess that China doesn't want people saying things like what Blitzchung said, we can also guess that maybe they don't see him as much of a threat. Maybe they see him as just another protester, and maybe it's you know maybe they're just ignoring it. Now, I, w- I will say as a counterpoint to that, and I, I yeah I agree with what you're saying. Uh, the only the only justification I can think of for why Blizzard would act this harshly and this swiftly is because China has shown a very very immediate history, both in their in their markets and in their government, of being very swift and very uh, strict on anti-Chinese sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, just this past week, in fact, it, it's just been another nail nail in this big old clusterfuck of anti-Chinese sentiment. Um, the, the, the manager, not the manager, um, the o- was it the owner or was it the manager of the... Uh, it was the uh, general Houston manager. Rock- the general manager of the Houston Rockets, thank you, um, made a statement that they were in support of the Hong Kong protests. And basically, like, within a day... Multiple China, multiple sponsors pulled themselves out of the Houston Rockets. Um, multiple organizations in China dropped their support of the Houston Rockets mm. and stated that the Rockets would not be allowed to play in China. But as they do during pros preseason, they usually go around and play in different countries as part of their, you know, their marketing for foreign countries. And initially, even the NBA itself, the the National Basketball Association, stated that this statement was out of line and was not in alignment with the NBA's values. Now, that statement was was redacted by the NBA, and they stated that the owner was allowed to state their opinions. But it has been very clear from Chinese response that they are not okay with these kinds of statements. And I can absolutely see why, seeing that response from China, Blizzard doubled down immediately and, and, and just curbs off this guy to try and stop any sort of um, feedback from China. Mm. However, again... China is not their only market, and it may be one of their larger markets, but it is not their largest market. And more importantly, capitalism is just this driving force that will cause people to forego basic morals and basic human rights in the name of chasing profit. Blizzard has proven that. The NBA has proven that. Many other companies have proven that time and again, and will continue to prove that going forward. And at this point, all we can do is state that as people who are also a part of this market, we are not okay with this. I do want to point out, since we're talking about capitalism, there's this really funny tweet in the uh, Boycott Blizzard uh, thread. Uh that says Blizzard stock is down, Winnie the Pooh merchandise is up. <laughs> and that's kind of a that's kind of a niche thing if you know about people in China comparing Xi Jinping the president to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it's, I knew about that. 
It's just very funny. That is oh pretty entertaining. God. On that, I did. On that note, I guess Activision Blizzard is a publicly traded company. I was like, wait a minute, how long has Blizzard been a publicly traded company? But then I realized they were bought into Activision. Of course, Activision is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a big mess. <laughs> like it, it, it's weird to like like ever since you sent me this um, uh, this list of talking points, I've been thinking. Oh my God! I'm mildly agreeing with a certain political individual whose name we will not speak about. How we need to do something about China's economic power over the rest of the world. Ooh, oh no! I, I actually made a statement on Twitter that I was like, I can't believe that there is an actual political point that has happened that has um, caused the nuts in the alt right and normal sane people to actually come together and agree on something. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> strange. It's. It, I mean, but but and on that thread, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, saying, "Oh, why are the video games political?" Let me tell you something. I've said it before. <laughs> Your games is political. All video games is political. Online.com. All media is politicals, and it's just how it is. I'm sorry, friends. <laughs> it's just how it is. I've got a URL um, for you, by the way, if you need to buy a, a website. <laughs> Just all all video games is political. Online, oh. all video on, games is political. Online dot com, the official yeah. website <laughs> of the uh, of the weekly cooldown. Oh my god! Oh my. God. Maybe I will buy it. Domains <laughs> aren't that expensive. Um, <laughs> okay, so that all being said, um, we will. Well, I will monitor uh, the Blizzard news, and you know, we'll we'll definitely be talking about this again. Um. Moving on. Liberate Hong is... Kong and unnerf mercy. <laughs> Honestly, I guess. Hell yeah. <laughs> no more mercy nerfs? I'm okay with that. I'm sick of talking about it. Um, so moving on to some more ongoing news uh, and some news actually. This is from uh, last week. Um, the studio behind Mario and Luigi RPGs such as Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga has filed for bankruptcy. The company's debts have been estimated to be as high as 465 million yen, which comes out to about 4.3 million U.S. dollars in March 2018. The story is still developing, um, and although the fate of the company does not yet seem clear, anyone attempting to access Alpha Dream's website, that's the company that makes these video games, will be redirected to a database connection error. So... It does seem like they they might not be uh, rising from the ashes in this case. I can't believe the developers of Hamtaro Rainbow Rescue have gone bankrupt. Yeah, that too. That's that really just, upsetting. That just breaks my heart because, like, the Mario and Luigi, with the exception of Partners in Time, the Mario and Luigi games were just so awesome. Eh, inside Story was kind of hit and miss. Okay, it's weird because everyone, you're like the only person besides me I know of that actually does not, you know, absolutely 100% love Inside Story. Inside Story hmm. was okay. I wish it had more than one location <laughs> inside Bowser. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was the issue, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was a lot, a lot of the same locales. They, they tried to change it up, but it didn't work. Stomach, yeah, it was stomach, more stomach. Like, yeah. it was really like there were. There were what three or four outside of Bowser areas, and they all corresponded to like his stomach, his lungs, and some other stuff. It was yeah. like, like you did go to different areas of Bowser, and they did have their own mild aesthetics, but they, but there's only so much you can do in terms of like innards. Yeah. Now this, having company, said that, yeah, <laughs> this company was founded by. Uh, Chihiro Fujioka, which I believe was the director for the Super Nintendo Super Mario RPG with Geno. I actually did not know that. Yeah, it looks like he was in fact the director for Super Mario RPG, which is a fantastic game, by the way. Wonderful game. Made by Squeenix of all people. Yeah. I'm sorry, Squaresoft, not Squeenix. (laughs) Which is why I'm kind of upset about it. I love that game. Um, so to see, you know, it's kind of like how far we've fallen, I guess, is, it's, it's pretty upsetting. Hey, if this leads to another Square Enix Mario RPG, no, that, that feels mean. <laughs> but, well, no, actually, I mean, honestly, I, 
I only ever really liked Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, and I know that is a very hot take. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm always sad to see a company go down, and I'm, and I yeah. feel bad for the employees, of course. The last two games they made were remakes, and they weren't received very well because they were kind of whatever remakes. Games that really didn't really need to be remade, honestly. I can kind of understand why, yeah. because the because Superstar Saga and Bowser's Inside Story were sort of the two most beloved of the Game Boy Advance and DS trilogy. So I think part of it was an attempt to bring as much of the series possible onto sort of the current handheld. I think the bigger problem was that... I mean, uh, when they when they were releasing those remakes, the three the, I think the Switch had already come yeah. out, and the 3DS was already kind of on its last legs from you know a standpoint of you know getting new users because at, at least in America, I'm pretty sure everyone was switching over to the. Hey, oh. <laughs> like, you want to know something kind of sad? <laughs> Bowser's Inside Story in the United States came out this year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But Ouchie. so I can I can see why, and also to kind of all bring them together graphically, since they all use sort of the engine that they started with in Dream Team, which yeah. mildly hot take I think is the best of the Mario and Luigi games. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I do really really like uh, Superstar Saga, but for whatever reason, like um, Dream Team just really hits the mark really, really well for me. I really, really enjoyed Dream Team. Nice. I was I was okay with Paper Jam. Um, it was it was cool, but it didn't feel anywhere near as awesome. And mm. I cannot stand Partners in Time, which isn't really Partners in Time's problem. The problem was that when they brought it over to the U.S., they like bumped up the either the defense or the HP values of all the bosses, so that the only way you could reasonably fight them was just spamming bros attacks which ruins the experience nah. and i'm i'm pretty okay with uh inside story and i really like superstar saga mm. but i what i think really makes me sad about this um especially since we were, probably won't be getting more games from them going forward is that um their games always had this really, really great sense of humor that you honestly don't get in RPGs much anymore. Right. Um, most RPGs are, you know, JRPGs have their own mild sense of humor, but it's not where it's not anywhere near the very niche sense of humor that you get in the Mario and Luigi games. Those were where JRPGs usually depend on a lot of anime cliche humor, which I love a lot of times. The Mario and Luigi games were much more like Katamari Damashi in terms of like occasionally just flat out surreal shit happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. with with an, with an added bonus of self aware like Mario mm. series humor, which yeah. is always fun. And right. that, and uh, one reason I'm, it's kind of awesome that they were sort of Alpha Dream was founded by the guy who created uh, hel- or helmed uh, uh, Super Mario RPG. Super Mario RPG is something that I would suggest as the absolute perfect RPG for no for someone who's never played RPGs before. Straight up, because it's got yeah. it's got a very gentle difficulty curve with mm-hmm. a couple of exceptions. Bow, <laughs> um, you're looking at you. Not bow, oh. no, not bow. Your bow. Your Bowyer fucked me up hard. when I was a kid. Straight up, yeah. Yardovich. Oh, yeah. Yardovich. Oh yeah, sure. Yardovich okay, was that the too. Oh, is that what I'm thinking of? Uh-huh. Uh, the Seaside Town one. Let's see. Googling, um, googling, googling. No, yeah, it was definitely Bowser that fucked me up. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. But it's got a really gentle difficulty curve. It's not super laden down with, like, um, bespoke world terminology. It's all Mario stuff, with pe- which people already knew. It's um, got some Super Mario OCs. <laughs> all your party members level up at the same time thank god mm-hmm. um and it's just it is a really good introduction and i think that although some of the mario and luigi games are hard even by the standards of someone like me who's a jrpg vet they're still much more accessible than a lot of other jrpgs especially given the fact that since they're all handhelds they're all usually in the uh, 20 to 25 maybe 30 hour mark in terms of playtime, which i think is mm-hmm. very appealing and i don't know with i guess possibly the exception of some indie developers and toby fox who is also an indie developer hey. um that there are any other rpgs that serve 
as well as gateway drugs as uh, the Mario and Luigi series are, is, or was. Gateway drug video game. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly with everything that Ryan said. <laughs> I'm sad that Alpha Dream is gone, and I wonder if anything is going to fill the void. Do you think they'll get, like, bought by someone? Like a bigger company? Probably not. Hmm. Uh, if anything, the only thing I can see happening is, like, maybe Nintendo paying off their debts as a sign of goodwill or something, because they've got fuckloads of <laughs> money from their history. That is but true, yeah. It I, doesn't seem likely. It mm. can I think it might happen, maybe, possibly, but uh, it's it's not looking good for them, I think. Because mm. Alpha Dream is basically a second-party company anyway. Right, yeah. Well, we'll uh, also be looking at this story as more develops, but hopefully good news, good news. Um, Speaking of good news, uh, the PlayStation 5 is on its way, sort of. Um, (laughs) Sony has announced that the release date will be set for a holiday 2020. There's still no word on the price for the console yet, but there are still some rumors from back in June that it will cost $800. No, thank you. There oh are God. reports. That's uh, not going to happen. There are reports about how the console will be going green and how the controller will adapt a haptic shock to replace the rumble feature, um, and all kinds of other specifications. And somehow it was also news, surprising nobody, that the name of the PlayStation Five is officially the PlayStation Five. Like, thanks. <laughs> really needed a whole article for that. Um, but perhaps the most interesting part about the release date are the responses from other companies in the industry. GameStop, for example, seems very happy that the next-gen consoles will still have disk drives, meaning that GameStop storefronts may not be totally obsolete. Um, Meanwhile, game developers like Platinum Game Studio head Atushi Inaba, Inaba, sorry, I butchered that, are, they're saying uh, that the next-gen consoles are probably just going to be, quote, more of the same. So, in short, GameStop is like, yay, we get to sell games at stores, and Platinum Games is just like, meh. I think it's really cute that GameStop thinks they're not going to be bankrupt by next Christmas. That's (laughs) very, very cute. I worked at GameStop in 2017 for Christmas, and honestly, like, it seemed like they were out the back door then. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. It was sad. We yeah. we had the we had the Call of Duty Five, um, not Call of Duty Five, Call of Duty um, World at War launch, which was all hands on deck, and like nobody showed up. Yeah, uh, the only reason, and I felt bad for doing it because I never do stuff like this. But the not only reason I went to a GameStop recently was getting picking up the Switch on Black Friday last year. Nice. And I went really early in the morning because I was like, oh, no, it's going to be a big mess. And when I walked in, there were like two workers and nobody there except me. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, I guess I was wrong. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I kind of I kind of get that. Um, But I mean, who knows? Maybe, um, you know, the the executives over at PlayStation and uh, excuse me, over at Sony and over at Microsoft um, do recognize that people still like to buy physical games, and I actually spoke about it uh, last episode. It, there's something kind of satisfying about still going to pick up a physical copy of a game. So maybe maybe we'll see a return, maybe a little bit of a return uh, to people uh, returning to GameStop, although they do have the horrible represent- or, uh, uh, reputation for, you know, not really being the best for trade-ins and all that other stuff. So, I mean, maybe this is just one little check mark in their in their uh, favor, I suppose. I think, I think that the PS5 actually looks kind of cool. Um, to be honest, um, the, the fact that they're, like, going all in on the active, like, social media integration, and they're going all in on, like, sort of trying to make the PS5, like, a living... Oh, it feels weird on the mouth. PS5. Um, <laughs> trying to make the PS5, like, sort of a living console, like, where people's activities on the console are... Not, like, constantly being shoved in your face, but are something that you can access consistently. Because on the PS4, you know, if you want to see what your friends are up to, and I and I have done this from time to 
time. It's kind of a chore, honestly. Like, if you mm. want to see how your friends' achievements are doing or just see how they're progressing on a game or what new games they're checking out, it's not, like, like on Steam, if you want to see what new, your friends are playing or what they've been up to, like, that's just a couple clicks and it's really quick. I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of glad that they're kind of leaning in that direction with the PS5. Hmm. What I think I'm sort of happy about in terms of the disk drive, although the fact that like it sounds like even the disks are going to have to be installed on there, uh, is that like right now, given as many games as I have, it's like I'm already having to have like in addition to the one terabyte internal hard drive that's already on my PS4 Pro, I've got an additional like one terabyte extra one terabyte one terabyte external hard drive that I also don't have a cow, man. <laughs> I also have, have to have uh, installed. And here's the really funny thing. Like, Paul, I play yeah. Final Fantasy XIV on my PS4. Guess yeah. what one of the largest data sinks on my PS4 is? Call of Duty? Final Fantasy XV. Oh. oh, that's that's wild. Like, That's pretty wild. I'm pretty sure that fourteen is a big chunk of it. But, like, Final Fantasy fifteen is a mostly on-disc game. And I guess the DLCs are just so huge that it's it's got a really really big file size and i think something that we may get into when we we're talking about platinum's uh, response is just that um you know especially with the bigger graphical the higher graphical fidelity of games that i assume are going to be coming on the ps5 8k graphics like those game those game sizes are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and Mm -hmm. it's going to come to a head where you're where you know you may have the disc, but you're having to decide what's actually on the system, which is something I don't really like. It's one of the things I really like about my Switch that right. I, I can just plug in the game card and go. Well, I can't find the article, and unless I dreamt it, I'm pretty sure that there was some news recently that you will be able to kind of partition which parts of certain games you want to have on your console. Awesome. That was either that was either the PS4 blog post itself or one of the one of the first articles that came out of it. Uh, that was right. basically like, yeah, games are going to be segmented into several different chunks and you can choose like for example, if you download a game, you can choose to download the single player for Call of Duty is the obvious example. You can download uh, the single player first and then download the multiplayer, and once you're done with the single player, you can actually delete the single player and reinstall the multi or just leave the multiplayer installed for example. Uh-huh. So instead of getting the whole, like, 100 gigabytes, you're segmenting it between, like, maybe 25 and 75 or something like that. And I do remember that, although in my case it would probably mostly just be installing the... (laughs) A <laughs> single player and not touching the whole deck, like. Yeah. And you know what? That's valid too. And that that's actually a great valid. way to save some uh, space on your uh, mm-hmm. on your PS5. It still feels though, weird on the tongue. I think it <laughs> it does really PS5 PS5. Say that in your mirror and watch uh, Jack Sony pop up behind you or something. <laughs> PS3 PS4 PS5. Ugh. I don't want to go to 2020. I heard Microsoft, um, I heard Microsoft uh, got on the ball there and announced the PS6 recently. Oh, they're, they're, that's what they're calling it? Yeah, that, that was oh. an Onion article. I've got to be honest, I did not come up with that one originally, but I wish I had. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious, though. Um, it's, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird, though, to have to pay the entire $60, though, for segmented video games if you're you know if you're not going to tackle the entire thing so i guess that's maybe one little iffiness iffy part for me but i mean it 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 definitely beats having to have you know an entire 80 gigabyte game on and only wanting to play like part of it so oh and uh one added bonus the ps5 will be backwards compatible with the ps4 play that's that's great that's really cool that's wonderful news that is wonderful news. Mine. Um, oh, go ahead. No, after you. My one, my one real major concern with the PS Five, and this is once again because I'm an old fogey. It's just you know I understand that there's this drive for graphics that are that are more and more photorealistic and approaching you know basically making you know deep fake movies on our PS Fours and our games, but I f- feel like. After a certain point, we should really—that is—that is a grail we should really stop chasing, because Sorry. 
I know that a lot of people may disagree me with me on this fact, but like I could get I could not give a rat's ass as to how realistic my video game looks. Yeah. Like I understand why people really enjoy that and I understand how some games like Horizon Zero Dawn with their really pretty graphics mixed with these very otherworldly depictions of the machine creatures work really well, but I'm I, I think that a lot of it is starting to leak into the fact that, you know, in order to achieve this level of graphical fidelity, we're having to pour more and more money into this and more and more out and more and more manpower from, you know, the game industry, which is rife with burnout and being mm-hmm. underpaid and all of this stuff. And I think if we keep pushing the just releasing consoles that are essentially, you know, more powerful, like, you know, Platinum's guy said, more consoles that are basically just more powerful versions of what we already have, it's just going to make that technical debt get greater and greater until it basically turns into an Ouroboros and just swallows its fucking tail. Okay, but Ryan, hear me out. Arden Lucis Kayim, 8K Chen. Uh, I don't fucking care. I don't yeah, damn I don't. want to tell him to shave even more. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, like I'm alright right with some stubble, but you know, like not only that, like I have a I have a pretty okay nice TV, and it still can't activate the HDR. It, it still cannot. That's do, true. It still cannot do the HDR settings on my PS4 Pro. Like that's very true. I I don't know that many people are going to be able to really take advantage of. 8k resolution on their televisions like maybe in what five ten years when we've moved on to 16k so all of the 8k mm. tvs are the blockbuster specials during black friday when they're right. not actually selling the latest tvs they're just selling what they had in stock <laughs> yeah that's exactly true um to briefly touch on what uh atishi inaba said uh in a uh, article he's quoted as saying it's okay and by that i mean i'm sure that things will move faster graphics will be better and maybe it will be easier with less wait times that's good for the consumer he said but it's more of the same quite frankly compared to previous generations it's nothing that's disruptive or super innovative if you ask me and i mean yeah like you said it, it's kind of that's kind of the point it's just faster prettier and all that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of agree with him. It's it's kind of meh. I'm excited to see what comes of it. I'm excited to see, like, how much it is and if I will be dropping money on a PlayStation 5 or whatever Microsoft slash Xbox is putting out. But uh, I don't know if I care that much. And that's that, Makes I guess. Makes sense. um all right so as we move along toward the end of the show um because we are running out of time um we ask that both of you wonderful guests give our listeners a recommendation which game should they be playing or should they be on the lookout for ryan please take it away all right i'm gonna actually give two which may be against the rules but First of all, if the anti-Hong Kong sentiment of Azeroth is making you feel blue... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Do you know where you are? (laughs) You can always go to the wonderful world of Eorzea in Final (laughs) Fantasy XIV. Now out for PC and PlayStation 4. Um, that's my that's sort of my multiplayer suggestion, and I, I have to I have to show Final Fantasy fourteen because it's the best Final Fantasy game in like the last decade. Um, good. And uh, as far as single player, I'm honestly gonna have to really suggest that game I mentioned earlier, Blasphemous. I don't think it's perfect, but I think if you're looking for some really cool, um, really atmospheric sort of gothic graphics and some really awesome religious themed body horror matched with some pretty okay um pretty okay uh, fast-paced combat and some nice boss battles i think it's well worth your time i think it's in the area of like 20 to 24 dollars uh i ended up not having to pay anything for it because i just had that many um coins on my mind into no account um but it's it's pretty fun i do enjoy it and you should give it a try unless you just don't like gore and body horror that much in which case please stay away and stay you know safe <laughs> Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Uh, Paul? 
Paul. All right. So mine is very, very, very on the flip side of Ryan's death and devastation and horror and Final Fantasy. Um, so I there is a very, very, very pleasant game on Steam that I discovered a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week. Um, it's called Kind Words, Lo-Fi mm. Chill Beats to Write to. Um, it's a weird game. It's I, I'm almost reluctant to call it a game, but I... You know, it's on Steam, it's sold as a game, so I'm going to call it a game. Um, basically, the whole conceit of the game is you are able to um, accept what are called requests from strangers on the internet and write them responses to these requests. Um, kind of think of it like a, an anonymous pen pal or like somebody like maybe you're getting a letter from uh, as you're writing an advice column and you're sending this out to them. So like if somebody's having a bad day or they need some just anonymous advice from somebody, they can send out a request saying like, Hey, you know, I've been feeling really depressed lately and I need to get out of my slump. What are some ways that you get out of your slump? Or I'm talking to a new girl. I'm really nervous about how I'm going in this relationship. What are some ways I can make myself feel about better about this and not screw this up. And you get these requests and you send them out to these anonymous people. You can put a little sticker on the letter. It's very nice. And also you can make your own requests and get letters back from anonymous people and you know if they're if you're just seeking advice from the internet writ large in a very you know calming nice environment um there's there's like a sort of a visualization to the game where it's like a person writing in a room um if you've ever seen those um lo-fi chill beats to study to videos on youtube of the girl writing in her room it's kind of got that vibe to it a little bit and there is some like some like chill beats like some not quite not quite um jazz what's the word i'm looking for it, it, i mean it's just chill beats that that are playing in the background the soundtrack to the game is really nice so if you just really need to play a really nice positive game so to speak where you positively affirm other people and receive a positive affirmations yourself kind words lo-fi chill beats to write to is gonna be your game and on steam interestingly enough it is reviewing as overwhelmingly positive ah that's nice <laughs> I like that. That makes me feel good. Free um, Hong Kong, baby! Okay. <laughs> that had that had to be coming. Um, hey, you've probably heard me talk about this game before. Uh, go play Control. It's it's my pick we for doing this game again, of the huh? year. Yeah. <laughs> Control is so good. It's so good. You have to play it. It's like Second Sight meets Max Payne. And all kind of other, like, it's just so weird, too. And I love freaky weird shit. So please play Control. Or come watch me play it on Twitch uh, probably this week. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Okay. (laughs) And finally, to finish off the episode, please let us know where we can find you both on the internet and if you have anything else to plug. Ryan. Uh, You can find me on the internet on Twitter as uh, at Hoyle Ryan. You can find me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash actors illusion. Uh, that's where I post my uh, podcast, Level Grinding and Wasted Hours. And God knows, God willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll get the goddamn second scripted out, episode out next week. Um, aside from that, um, I don't really have anything else to plug. Um, as far as Voxus goes, uh, coming up on uh, the second and third, Paul. Yeah. On the second and third, we're going to be doing a group live stream, 24-hour live stream for Extra Life, uh, where different members and friends of the group are going to be uh, in two-hour blocks uh, playing and streaming video games. Uh, I don't know what everyone else is doing because I didn't really look at the schedule that hard, but I'm going to be doing a two-hour Final Fantasy XIV chill uh, stream where basically I'm just going to be doing whatever I want in Final Fantasy XIV. And Perfect. by that point, I'm gonna, probably going to be half asleep. So most of it is me going to be very, very thirsty about my player character. Perfect. So, on brand. Perfect. Excellent. I love it. Paul, please tell us. So as always, you can find me on Twitter at Paul's Rockin' Twit. That's, there is no G on there. R-O-C-K-I-N. Um, also, I very rarely stream on the Stuffing Impressed Twitch channel. That is just twitch.tv forward slash Stuffington 
press, spelled pretty much exactly the way you hear it. There is a G in that one. And, of course, I will also be um, participating in Extra Life 2019 through Voxus. Um, I'm actually the person that organizes that every year. Somehow, I manage that. I really don't know how I pull it off every year, honestly. It's, it's, what a I'm, wonderful it's boy. It's fucking nuts. But anyway, um, I'm going to be opening that stream up. Um, so, in, in case you want to know a little more about that, um, it's in two-hour chunks, basically. We'll be rotating out to a different person every two hours. Um, I'll be starting out that one, and I am also going to have slots later on where I'll be taking part with the Stuffington Press, my friends. Um, Wes and Mark will be there. Unfortunately, Biggs does have work, so he won't be able to be there for that. Um, oh. And also, the Homestuck Music Team Power Hour, which is going to involve, as always, nobody on the Homestuck Music Team. And finally, um, I will also be taking part in the finale, which is going to be Kate's Dungeon Crawl, where we're going to be playing um, Dungeons & Dragons, followed by a session of Team Fortress 2 with whoever happens to be awake at the time. Perfect. And I'm also we'll be raising money for the Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas. Um, if you're interested, you I'll have Comic Jays put a link in the um, in the show notes where you can make donations. Mm-hmm. We will be more than happy to take those in the run up to the event, which again will be November second, November third, starting at eight a.m. Central Time and running for twenty five hours straight because daylight savings time is starting <laughs> right around then. Oh, jeez. Oh boy. Wow. I always love when you guys do that. It's so <laughs> much fun. I think I was on the last one. It was great. I think I you were. It. It, what was it oblivion yeah yeah i love yeah that. you were part of the homesick music team power hour weren't you i think so yeah that was a lot of fun it's great. i really enjoyed that um all right as always you can find me at commie gaming on twitter and you can find the weekly cooldown as well on twitter at wk cooldown uh be sure to visit the weekly cooldown facebook page and the facebook group it is there for you please use it uh visit wkcooldown.com for more news and other episodes be sure to check out the links in the description uh including of course our humble bundle for this week and support your favorite charities and support the show um also check out the uh wow anniversary episode coming up in two weeks october 20 20 27th 25th, sorry. October 25th is the anniversary episode. Please listen to it. We're going to make some uh, two-year two changes uh, starting with that episode. And it might be a live episode, too. I'm not Ooh. sure. But we'll see. Um, live on Twitch. Uh, all right. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. I'm Ryan. I'm Paul. Don't drive like my brother. Great. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.